Well, good morning, good morning, North Rock. How are we this morning? Are we good? Anybody still uh, having a little bit of that turkey hangover left over, right? Yeah, come on. I smelled turkey on some of your breath when you came in this morning. I know you guys are still snacking uh, as we go through the weekend. Uh, and as you can tell, we have some of our congregations still traveling back from being with families. Uh, but I'm happy to be back myself. I had the opportunity to go and see my grandmother, who is uh, 84 years old, lives in McPherson, Kansas, last uh, last week for Thanksgiving, and uh, it was a real blessing to be with her. Um, but today, I am back, and I am excited to be able to close out this series that we've called Heart for the House over the past several weeks. Um, and today, we're going to be talking about provision uh, for his vision. Before I jump into my notes, uh, I just wanted to take a minute and just say how excited I am about the work that God's doing in this place. How about you? It's exciting, isn't it? Before we receive an offering, God has already spoken to some of the leaders of his church, and they've given almost $10,000 to the offering we haven't received yet. Isn't that a good thing? And when we're talking about partnering with Alaska, partnering with Bangladesh, partnering with our, our Spanish-speaking neighbors in this community to see North Rock Espanol uh, alive and, and thriving in this location, uh, we recognize that it's not a small dream. Can I get an amen there, right? It's not a little thing. And yet what we're talking about today is this idea of the provision for the vision because it's really easy for us to get all lathered up and go, yeah, that's awesome. And then the, the, other, the other shoe drops in our lives where we remember and realize that, oh yeah, God's plan for all of that is all of us, right? It's that idea of, God, all I have is this and I don't really know that it's going to be able to do that. Anybody with me this morning? <laughs> Right? And you know, honestly, as the pastor of this church, sometimes like, okay, God, I think this is what you're asking us to do. We're going to go talk to him about it. And, and then you say it and you go, ooh, Lord, all right. All right. If you're in it, then, then we can do this. If you're not in it, then it won't come to much of anything. But we believe that God's heart is in this house and that our hearts are more and more and more becoming like his heart for the world around us. And so as we uh, close out this series, I started to think about uh, some of the ways uh, that we can respond to his provision for his vision. Um, and I was led to one of my favorite uh, miracles in the Bible. It's in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. And it's a story of a widow uh, whose husband had passed away and whose uh, sons were being uh, threatened to be taken to pay off some of the debts that the household had. Um, and so we're going to turn to that in just a minute, but I wanted to pray, and then we're going to jump into that today. As we begin to wrestle with how it is that God takes what's in our hand to do what's in His hand. Does that make sense? Let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank You for Your Word to us. Lord, we thank You for this season. Lord, we believe that we are in a season of, of both receiving and living the provision that You have for Your body and for Your dreams for this community and for this world. And so, Lord, today, as we stand uh, together in your house, Lord, we pray that you would continue to bind our hearts together, that as we uh, bring what we have in our hands together, uh, you do the miraculous. Lord, you do the work that we could not do in, our, in and of ourselves. So, Lord, we pray that as we look into your word today, you would give us inspiration, you would give us vision uh, for the future that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So if you have your Bibles, please open them to 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Uh, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and it basically tells this story in seven uh, quick verses. 
says this, that one day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha said, or excuse me, asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of oil, of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and your neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another after another. Soon, after every container was full to the brim, she said to one of her sons, Bring me another jar. There aren't any more, he told her, and then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live off of what is left over. I hope you're getting the picture of what's going on in this situation. There's a woman who's in a dire need, dire situation. She comes to the prophet Elisha and says, You know my husband. You know my husband served you. You know that he loved the Lord. You know uh, who he was. And it says, And the season that we're in right now uh, is one that we're lacking the resources that we need to survive. One day, it says in, in that first verse, that one day the widow, who was a member of the group of the prophets, came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead. You know that he, is fe- that he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come and threatened to take my two sons as your slaves. Three things stand out to me from this passage uh, that I think are relatable to all of us, and especially to those of us that we have a relationship in this world. Um, and it's simply these three things. One, uh, that the world is carrying heavy yokes. That there are heavy burdens that people carry in their lives, right? That just like, this, just like this woman, we all carry some of those things into this place today, if we were completely transparent and honest with one another, right? That we carry some heavy things uh, into, this, into this place, and as we position ourselves to be the provision for God's vision in this world, it can be, if we were completely honest, a little bit of a... Of a, of a, of a, of a, of a of a faith-building moment in our lives. Does that make sense? It's the idea of this woman saying, Elisha, this is where we're at, this is what we're having, and he says, tell me about it, what do you have in your hands, right? He says, what can I do to help you? Tell me what you have in your house. And he says, and we, when we look at the response, he doesn't say, no, get away from me. He doesn't say, no, that's none of my business. He doesn't say, oh, I'm too busy. Or he doesn't say, don't you know who I am, Right? Clearly, the Spirit of God prompts him to, to be someone who could intervene in her life. And he asks her what she has on hand for him to work with. When she exclaims, all that she has in her house is a small little flask of olive oil, perhaps only the size of a few ounces. Uh, she, her response to him was nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. The world is carrying heavy yokes. Same today as in this story with this woman. Second thing that I see that, that uh, emanates from this story into our lives and into our era uh, is that God sees these yokes of the world. He sees the heavy burdens on people's hearts. You know, the, the, the name Elisha uh, actually means my God is salvation. 
And he, God sent Elisha into this woman's life uh, to bring hope and direction for the season that she was in. It says, Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and your neighbors. And then he said, then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour all of oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. He specifically tells her to go gather as many big jars as you can, as many as you can find, and bring them back to me, right? Isn't that, isn't that an interesting dynamic? That she says, Elisha, all I have is this. And he says, okay, what I want you to do is go out and get as many jars as you can, as big a jars as you can, and bring them all back here to me. He says, uh, he tells her to, to gather those containers, and then uh, the miracle was going to occur in her house. That after she went to the house of the Lord, after she went to hear from Elisha, she went back home with her two sons. She took that little flask of oil and began to pour Olive oil into each and every one of those containers, setting each one aside as they became full. Elisha wouldn't even be present while all this was happening, and what he was asking her to do is to act in faith. How many of you guys like me today understand that when God's getting ready to do the, the, the miracle in our lives, that, he, that it requires our faith? It requires that we're willing to look a little silly at times. It requires us going out and saying, hey, I'm going to pour all of this into all of that, Right? You're going to your neighbors, your friends, you're saying, God's getting ready to do a great work, and they're going, all I see is this. All I see is your little flask, right? But she did what, what she was told. Her sons kept bringing her those jars, and she filled one after another after another. The Holman Old Testament uh, commentary uh, defines faith as, as acting on the Word of God. That that really is what we're seeing enacted in this story is that she took the word that she was given and she acted upon that. She took it from the the public spectrum into her private home uh, and prayed and believed God for the the overflowing of uh, the resources that she had in her life. It says that because she did that, verse 6 says, Soon every container was full to the brim, and she said, Bring me another jar to one of her sons. And there aren't any more, he told her. Then the olive oil stopped flowing. See, this miracle of multiplication, that, that, that every container was filled up with olive oil. Uh, when the last container was filled, she asked her son to bring that container. And it's at that point that oil stopped flowing from that little flask. See, our miracles, though perhaps delivered in private, are contributed to by the community. You saw that in the story, didn't you? That she went out, she went to her friends, to her neighbors, and said, God's getting ready to do a good thing. I'm asking you to help me participate in it. And, and then it says that, that the results of those provision were for his vision. That that is what God's purpose of doing the, the miracle multiplication in our life looks like. And I don't know what your experience is, but mine has been that I haven't known a lot of people that have so much abundance in their lives that they just come running to the church and saying, hey, what can we give towards the causes of God simply because we have so much that we don't know what to do with it anymore? Right? I don't know a lot of those people. What I do know are a lot of people that are faithful with what's in their hand and they see God do the miracle because they're faithful with what's in their hand. My, 
Anybody give anybody feeling that this morning? That that's the way that God works. When we take what's in our hand, we combine it with what the community that God has placed us in, into his hand, that he does the miracle through what's in our little flasks. That maybe our flask is never going to look like that big, beautiful pot. It's never going to maybe never look the way that we think it should look to represent the God of excellence in our lives. But when it's combined with a faith of a God who has all the provision that we need, then we see the miraculous through our lives. I'm getting ahead of myself and I'm preaching here a little bit. But, but first, we know, we know, we know, we know that, that this world has yolks. You guys understand I'm not talking about egg yolks, right? I'm talking about the yolks that they would place on oxen, big wooden uh, uh, contraptions that, that help them plow out the field to basically force that great big strong animal to, 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 tear, to work the fields for them, right? That the world has yokes. That God sees the yokes in the world. And here's the third point. Here's the good news of the message today is simply this, that God has a plan of provision. In the same way that God had a plan of provision for that widow, that he didn't shrink back and say, oh, that's a terrible situation. I'm so sorry for you. Good luck with that, Right? No, his provision was already there. It was available. And all she needed to do was to take her word and enact in faith what God had asked her to do. She took what was in her hand and she placed it back in his hands. Faith and provision go hand in hand. And it all starts with what we have in our hands. So my question to you this morning is, what has God placed in your hand? What has God placed in your hand for the miracle that he's about to do in your life and in our lives collectively? The word provision in Webster's Dictionary uh, says that it's something that is done in advance to prepare for something else. And I can tell that we're not quite there yet this morning to where we're seeing the magnitude of God's provision. Can I just state this over you this morning? That God's provision for His vision, His vision for your lives and for our lives collectively is far greater than any of us see this morning. That he has done everything necessary to fulfill his will and his purposes over our lives. Let me just remind you of a few, just a few small scriptures that remind us of the provision that we have in Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 4 verses 18 and 19 says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in that time. Here and now, and the Lord's favor has come. He has more than enough manifest provision to do all the things that we just read about in that verse. The world is taxed by by yokes. But God's good news is that he's provided provision for those yokes. He's provided more than enough to take care of the burdens of those visions. And I can tell we're still not there, so I'm going to share another scripture with you, okay? Here's another picture of the provision that we sit in here and now in today. Acts chapter 10, verses 38 says, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our provision for his vision, is that God is with us. 
That God is in us, that it's His Holy Spirit, that as we say, God, I can't see it, all I have is this little flask of anointing oil, all I have is this thing, but I'm putting it in your hands, I'm believing you for the work that you're doing in my life and in this community and in this world, and I'm putting it back in your hands. That's at that moment that our faith hits in that place and that, uh, that yoke is broken. That as we day by day, moment by moment, get in His Word and take those promises and remind ourselves of who we are in Christ, that we begin to see the plan and provision that God has for our life. Now, if you're one of those people sitting in here today, you're saying, God doesn't work like that in my life. He just gave me everything that I needed. It's a big old pile of cash. I sleep on it. All those kind of things, right? Then then praise God for that. It's awesome. I know He provides for a lot of people that way. But what I'm saying is that most of the time that's consistent what I see in the Word of God and what's been consistent with my testimony as I've walked out this walk with Jesus for the last 20 years is that it's just enough. When I look at just the flask and what's in my hand, I go, God, there's no way. How can we impact the world? We're just this little church in Thornton. What are you talking about? How can we take on four more initiatives when we're still trying to catch up to the initiatives we're already doing? And he begins to say no. Do it. Do it. I've got a plan for provision. Do it. Right? Do it. Let me give you one more promise from Isaiah chapter 10 to remind us of what his provision is. And this one relates back to that word or that verse talking about the yoke or the heavy burdens in this world. And it's from the King James Version because I love the way that they they constructed the sentences on this. Uh, So I'm going to speak in some King James English for a moment. Don't worry, I didn't have a stroke. This is... This is just this verse. This is the way they talked back in the day, all right? Verse 27, it says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Oh, that's good. You see the picture, right? You see the picture of the yoke on the neck of that oxen? enslaving it to do the will of its master, forcing it into this life of servitude. But eventually it gets so healthy and so strong that that yoke simply breaks off of its neck. That ox is now free. And that is a picture of what we find ourselves in uh, from time to time when we feel bound or oppressed or beaten into submission by our enemy. Then when we simply feed our spirits the living word day and night, that it makes that kind of impact in our lives. Now you know what the Word says. Let's put it to practice. And you'll be blessed when it's time to break. How many of you guys with me would say today, it's time to break some yokes in our lives. It's time to break some of the heavy burdens, not just for us, but for those in our lives that God has called us to influence and to love and to attract and to connect and to train and to send. Right? So verse 7 says, When she told the man of God what had happened, he simply said to her, Sell the olive oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what's left over. That's a great picture of abundance, isn't it? That our God comes in in that moment, doesn't just say, oh, you've got this much? Okay, I'm going to fill up your little, your little vessel, right? He says, no, go get as many as you can, as much as your faith will allow, and God will fill all of that in you. God doesn't just remove the yoke. He restores and he blesses into abundance. Guys, remember the verse, uh, John 10.10? 10? We studied that out last spring. It says that the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life. That they may have life and that they may have life more abundantly. 
God didn't simply just bless her. He, she became a blessing to her sons. And God wants to bless us so we can be blessings to others. Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3 says this isn't just a promise for us. It's not just a promise for her. This is a promise that's been God's heart, his desire, his character from day one. Genesis 12, 2 and 3 says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All of the families of the earth will be blessed through who? Through you. Through you. That's been God's plan from day one. So as we, as we make connection to this season that we've been in this heart for the house, we've been uh, really sitting on a verse. I hope that it's, that it's been one that's resonated in your spirit because it certainly has mine. Uh, Psalm 92 verse 13 that says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of God. That that is a great picture of what we're seeing happen in this woman's life uh, in that season. And as we begin to think about, Lord, how should we respond to your word and to the promises that you've given to us as a people, uh, here's a couple, of, a couple of things I think would be helpful for us, okay? As we begin to consider what is it that God's asked us to place that he's put in our hands towards his vision for provision uh, for a greater world and for those that we have yet to reach in this place. Number one is simply this, that we need to have the right perspective. And we need to have the right perspective, we need to be able to see the bigger picture in our lives, right? We need to be able to get our eyes off of the flask, the little bit that we have, and on the eternal purposes for our lives and what Jesus Christ does through us. In her language, we hear some discouragement. We hear uh, uh, some defeated language, right? Where she basically says, uh, this is how I feel. I've lost my husband. They're talking about taking my kids away now. That's my only provision for my life. That's the only way I can live in this culture is through my son's working now that my husband is gone. And so she comes and her reply to him is, what do you have in your hand? She simply said, all I have. All I have is this. All I have is this little bit of oil. Can I just encourage you here today, if you're seeing all you have, is that it's not about you. It's not about what you have. It's about what, he does when we place what we have in his hands. That that is the miracle of multiplication in our lives. It's not about what God is, is doing in me. It's about what God can do through me in the use of his provision for his vision. The good news and the challenging news this morning is simply that, that God's vision is bigger than any of us can fulfill on our own. That's the good news. Bad news is the only way he completes that provision for his vision is through you and I. Through us coming together to do the work that he's asked us to do. Keeping our eyes on the bigger picture, remembering the promises of who Jesus is in us, and choosing to move beyond what we see into what we know he could do and what we could be. Second thing that will help us to respond to this word, respond to this initiative over these past weeks in the heart for the house as, we, as our hearts are more and more shaped into his heart by worshiping, by loving, by serving, uh, is that we need to prepare for what we expect. And we need to expect to be a blessing. We need to expect to see God's provision come in in such a way that it's not just enough to meet the, the order of the day, but to bless the next generation, to bless uh, how many guys appreciated what, what Debbie had to say last week yeah. with, our, with our next-gen ministries, right? Oh, 
What a great timing to hear that, that God is providing not just for this generation, not just for our needs, but for another generation of people through the work that he's doing in our church. He said, go out and gather as many jars as you can from your neighbors. And he said, according to the faith, uh, be it unto you. If we expect little, we'll gain little. But if we expect much, we will, according to our faith, be unto us. So have the right perspective. Prepare for what you expect and expect to be a blessing. Third uh, point is simply this. The, the way we can respond to this as a heart for the house initiative is to think about the Holy Spirit's presence and knowing that His anointing flows through us. That's not something that's going to happen outside by itself. It's going to flow through us. The oil in this story can represent His presence in our life. And as she kept pouring out the oil because the Lord kept providing the oil. That there seemed to be that never-ending uh, never supply from that little flask that she had. And it's the ever-flowing presence of the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys know that we can't overuse the Holy Spirit in our lives? That, that there's never that place where it's like, oh, I'm completely dry. It's that, it's that bottomless, you know, like, like when you go to Applebee's and they give you the bottomless sodas, right? Fill it up again, fill it up again, fill it up again, fill it up again, right? That that's how the Holy Spirit works. And the only way that we find the bottom of that is by not pouring it out for the purposes that, it, that it's there for. It's by forgetting that His anointing flows through us and into the lives of others. Fourth and final point that I'm going to make today is simply this, that, that we need to trust in God's provision. We need to trust in His provision and we need to step out in faith. That's what the Heart for the House initiative is all about. It's saying, God, we are so thankful, especially in the season of Thanksgiving, for the work that you're doing in our midst. We're believing for that and the things that we believe you're asking us to do in 2016 here. The oil was, never, was a never-ending supply provided by God. It was costly, and that God provided for her what she couldn't purchase or manufacture on her own. I'm going to ask our, our worship team to come up, and as they do, uh, I believe... Uh, as I prayed through this series and thought about what would be the, the, the right concluding uh, message for this series and the last one we, when we talk about the heart for the house, uh, that this was the passage that I was supposed to share. And there's a couple of uh, personal prophetic uh, ideas that, that keep coming back into my spirit. And, and here, here's what I believe that the Lord is saying about this passage for us as a people. Is that when we keep, if we'll keep our eyes on the jars, we'll keep our eyes on the people, if we'll keep our eyes on bringing people into his presence, that his Holy Spirit will continue to do the work that he's always done. That he'll continue to pour out his spirit into our lives and into their lives because they've come as jars of clay. Lord showed me that, that sometimes we can get our eyes focused on everything else in the world and especially on just what's in our hand. Anybody with me this morning? And we can get so over-focused on this is all we have. And what he's saying, no, get your eyes on the people that I gave my life for. Remember that I've given everything. I've given everything that's needed for your salvation and for the purposes that I've called you to. It's the reminder that, that when we focus on the jars, he will fill the people with his presence of oil and salvation. And here's the beauty. Here's the thing that, that, that when we think about what's the prerequisite, Lord, what do we need to do to prepare ourselves for that? It's simply this, to remember that there's only two things necessary as a vessel for God. Only two things. One, that it's empty. 
and two, that it's clean. We know that Jesus makes us clean, right? That, that he gives the perfect provision once for all to give us a vessel that he can, he can occupy and that he can work through in the Holy Spirit. And then it's our job to continue to go back in and empty that vessel to come so he would refill it. As we do our part to pour it out, he pours more back in. And to be honest, to, to, to be completely transparent today, that it's not just about can we pour it out and let him pour back in. It says sometimes we can come even into this place with a full jar already. Where we're just full, we're busy, we're tired, we've already got things going on, we're already full of whatever it is we're full of, and our job is to empty that and say, God, pour out more, pour out new, pour out fresh in our lives. Is anybody with me this morning that in 2016 we're asking God to pour out His Spirit in new and fresh and powerful ways in our lives and in this church? Adam Clark's commentary says it really well. It says that while there's empty, where the, while there is an empty longing heart, there continually uh, is overflowing fountain of salvation. That that's the good news of His Holy Spirit in our lives. And as we empty ourselves, I wanted to conclude with this verse that basically says in Romans fifteen thirteen, and he says that I pray that God, that the God, the source of our hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the Holy Spirit and through the power of His Holy Spirit. There's an emptiness. There's a broken, broken jar element to all of this. But thank God that God pours out His Holy Spirit into us to make up the differences in our lives. Amen? Can you, can you take a moment today as we sing through this last song? Would you just take some time with the Lord and ask Him, Lord, what have you put in my hand? Lord, what are you asking me to do to participate in the miracle that you're working in my life and in the lives of others? And finally, where is it that we can be filled again this morning? Amen? Father, that's the testimony of our lips this morning. Lord, we thank you for your work in our lives. Lord, we thank you that as we moment by moment live in faith and we bring our lives to pour them out for your glory in this world. Lord, that you fill us back up. Lord, that you cause strength to rise in our midst. And that, Lord, you break the yokes and the burdens off of our lives. Lord, help us to keep our eyes on you. Lord, help us to keep our eyes on your provision. Lord, help us to see Jesus in and through us in our day-to-day lives. And today, Lord, as a gesture of, of our uh, obedience as a congregation, as, our, as a gesture of our submission to your purposes in our lives, Lord, I just hold out my hands to you. I remind myself, I remind us as a congregation that when we place what's in our hands in your hands, that you do the miraculous in our midst. And so, Lord, we ask you to do the miraculous of multiplication in our midst. Lord, help us to see the people in our lives that you've called us to influence, to love on, and to serve until they care enough to know that you love them and that you gave your life for them. Lord, thank you for the provision that we have. Thank you for what you've done uh, in our lives and in this church over the years. But Lord, we believe that the future of this place has yet to be written. Lord, pray in faith, thanking you for the offering that's coming in in the Heart for the House uh, initiative. But Lord, more than that, we, we use this symbolic gesture of 
placing things before you again to remind ourselves that our time, our talents, our treasures, that they're all from you and that you get to direct our steps. So Lord, in Jesus' name, speak to your people. Help us, Lord, to walk out in faith the things that you've asked us to do together collectively and let us celebrate and praise your name for the miracle that you're doing in us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If the Lord's doing something good in your life to encourage you, would you give him a clap offering? We bless you, Lord. You are good, you are faithful, and you are able to meet us. Exactly where we're at. Well, maybe you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Chad, that was great. I love the story and the testimony of that lady, uh, but I don't know that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ yet. I don't know that I've ever accepted God's provision for my life uh, in Jesus Christ. And so if you haven't made that decision, you'd like to do that today, we'd love to pray a prayer with you. And it's a prayer that we pray here every week. Uh, because we know that we're all in different stages and places of accepting and believing God for the work that He's doing in our lives. So let's put that prayer up here. We're going to pray it. And then if this is the first time that you're praying this prayer, I'd love to meet you after the service and give you a yes package, just some tools to help you get started in your journey with God, okay? But let's pray it like it's the very first time, even if we prayed it before. Let me hear you. Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and that you rose from the grave three days later. I receive forgiveness for every failure and sin in my life and give to you the right to direct my life from this day forward. I dedicate myself to learning the scripture, to living in fellowship with God's people, following you in water baptism. In Jesus' name we pray and we trust. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Good. Just like always, we have our prayer team available. If you'd like prayer for any need in your life, we're here for you. And again, I'd love to meet you if you said yes to Jesus for the first time this morning, okay? God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for being here at North Rock. Thank you for listening to this North Rock resource. To find out more information about North Rock Church, check us out at www.northrockchurch.com.